Hey, thanks for listening to the Aaron J. Dodson podcast. I'm Aaron Dodson, and this is the podcast where I discuss the sacred text of God's Word, and I do my best to help myself and others understand it so that we might keep God's law and that we might observe it with our whole heart. Psalm 119, verse 34. This episode is very special and unique to me because it was requested by one of my listeners. And one of my listeners has asked me a specific question regarding God and suffering and children. I think the question uh, was asked something like, why does God allow children to suffer? The listener who asked the question asked, Uh, privately, in a private message to me, so I will not reveal that individual's identity. But uh, that individual who asked the question, uh, their spouse apparently does not believe in the God of the Bible or at least struggles to believe that the God of the Bible is the one true God because God allows children to suffer. And I'm going to say on the outset of this, There is no way to hide the fact that God allows people, including children, to suffer. I want to give a basis uh, for my position, if you will, that hopefully will uh, benefit the person who asked the question. That individual asked the question in hopes of helping their spouse uh, come to faith in the one true God, the God of the Bible, the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. The person who asked the question uh, is a member of the church, as, as am I. As, as is I, no, I can't even get it out, as I am. <laughs> um, so we share a commonality of faith there, but that individual spouse is not. And so I want to give a basis for uh, what I believe to be the Christian faith from the perspective of the data that we have given in Scripture regarding God and His character. I don't know any other way to to say this except let me start out with the perceived problem. If the God of the Bible is all-powerful, and the Scriptures do teach such, then God shouldn't allow children to suffer, or at least that's what people are minded to think that God should get up and do something about it. And the concern is, the problem is, for some, it is hard to believe in a God that lets or allows children to suffer. Now, before I give some basis of, of, of the Christian faith and I think what some principles that we have to look at to consider uh, regarding this matter, Whether or not God exists, children are hurt, abused, manipulated, and sadly killed by others. They are abused by others. They are manipulated by others. They are hurt and harmed by others and killed by others. And what I put forth to anyone who's listening the answer to this great problem, to the atrocities 
of abuse and manipulation and even murder is not unbelief. It's not atheism. The answer is God, His inerrant Word, the Gospel. I put forth to you that the Gospel has the perfect answer, the perfect remedy would be the word I'm really uh, wanting there, the perfect remedy for such atrocities. You see, unbelief and atheism can't make moral judgments. So those who do not prescribe to theism, the belief in one God, they are in a dilemma because they themselves, without the Bible as the inerrant word of God in the mix, in the equation, are unable to define what moral is and what is not immoral. If there is no God, then children suffering by abuse, manipulation and murder at the hands of others could be argued to be moral or amoral. It's not even in the mix there. So again, unbelief and atheism is not the answer because unbelief truly cannot make moral judgments. But moral judgments can be made based on the infallible word of God, the Bible. You see, if there are cases of justice and injustice in the world, then God must exist. So we ask the question then, why do children suffer? And before I get to some of the particulars of that, I want to read to you certain passages of Scripture that give me the basis for what I want my listeners to consider. Genesis 1.1 is the very foundation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the same chapter, verse 26, toward the very end of the creation week on day 6, God said, let us make man or mankind in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So mankind was made in the image of God after his likeness. We share similarities with our God, the ability to be free moral agents, the ability to reason and think and to express ourselves, to have emotions, and we have an immortal spirit. God, God is an eternal spirit, and I won't go into that any further. Another principle that I'm functioning off of in my mind is Genesis 9, verse 6. Way before the Mosaic Code was ever given to Israel, God had told the ancient patriarchs, whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed, for in the image of God he made man. So God from the very early times set forth very clearly that murder was wrong. And even before this passage, even before the time of Noah, this was the case. When Cain killed his brother Abel, God held him accountable for that sin. And by the pen of John wrote that Satan was a murderer from the beginning and that he lied to Cain and others. And Cain murdered his brother, and we must not be like Cain. So murder was wrong even before the time of Genesis 9-6 and the flood. God also meted out the death penalty for those who murdered. That's the point that I want to draw out. God is a God 
of justice. And God did have and still has a way for murderers to give account for such atrocities. It is a very sad thing when children are not only abused, manipulated, and hurt, but even murdered. Such individuals who murder deserve to die according to God and the gospel. You say, that's in the Old Testament. The same concept is legislated in Romans chapter 13, where God through the Apostle Paul wrote, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good, but if you do evil, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. So the concept of the death penalty is taught by the gospel, the authority given to the civil government to put to death those who have shed man's blood. With that in mind, one uh, last passage for now, Genesis 18, verse 25, in the context of wicked Sodom and Gomorrah. And God speaking to his righteous friend, Abraham, the friend of God, he is so-called. Abraham interceded for Sodom. You recall Sodom uh, had a resident there, the nephew of Abraham. His name was Lot. And God had decided to punish Sodom and Gomorrah for their atrocities and their wickedness. And Abraham interceded. And among that intercession and that conversation, that God had with Abraham and that Abraham had with God. Genesis 18, uh, tw- uh, number, verse 16 through 33. Abraham asked God, Suppose there were 50 righteous within the city. Would you also destroy the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous that were in it? And then Abraham makes this statement, Far be it from you, God, to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it from you, watch this phrase, shall not the judge of all the earth do right. Now, one of the great challenges that I have and that you have and that all people have is seeing things from God's perspective From his divine, eternal perspective from heaven, he sits on the throne, the circle of the earth, and he is able to see all things. He knows everything about everything, past, present, and future. And he will only do what was right. I believe with all my heart that righteous Abraham was exactly right when he said, Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? That was a rhetorical question statement. Yes, The judge of all the earth does do what is right. He only does what is right. And that would include his allowing people to suffer. And here's my short answer. Though God is not stopping the atrocities that happen today, one day he will. And all who have committed such atrocities will give account 
and will be paid in full more appropriately and more fairly than they could ever be paid or give account in this life by the judge of all the earth who will only do what is right, and he will reward the innocent and the righteous. But journey along with me. I took some notes down, and I want to go through them because I want to stick to my notes. Otherwise, I could say a lot of things maybe, and it might not make as much sense as if I follow as when I follow my notes, hopefully. Let's get to the question. Why do children suffer? Well, most of the time children suffer, it's, it's directly because the sin of others, namely adults who abuse, manipulate, hurt, and even kill innocent children. When a child suffers, and it's not directly someone else's fault, it's possible it's their own fault. If a child, through immaturity, ignorance, or childishness, or some other issue, mental you know, disability, steps off of a skyscraper, that child will suffer as a result of those bad choices. There are consequences. If a child, for whatever reason, steps out in front of an automobile driving 100 miles an hour, will likely be killed. And that same concept is true of an adult. But what about when it's not the child's fault, when it's someone else's fault? Why did that happen Well, all of that happened, all of the things happened, all of the suffering in the world, indirectly as a byproduct of sin consequences. The Bible truly, surely teaches that. There were no hurricanes, tsunamis, earthquakes, or fires in the Garden of Eden. It was the perfect earth environment. There was no sin until temptation entered through Satan And Eve, then Adam, both failed to that temptation by acting against God's will. That is sin. Sin is violation of God's will, a.k.a. missing the mark, missing God's mark, his standard, his will. So why do children suffer? Well, most of the time it's directly because of the sin of others, whether it be abuse or manipulation or hurting someone mentally or physically or sexually, and even being murdered. And even when we don't know exactly why a child may suffer, for example, if they have a sickness or a disease that's incurable, what we know is that it's a byproduct of the consequences of sin. How do I know that? Well, again, functioning off the concepts that God created the heavens and the earth that were made in His image, and that the judge of all the earth will do what is right, and the principle of 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. We know that the Word of God is able to teach us what is right, and show us where we're wrong, and how to get right, and how to stay right and live right. That's the idea of doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Based on those principles, 
that the God of heaven who knows all things and created the universe in six days, who spoken into existence and gave his word, he created a perfect earth environment. And at the end of the creation week, he used six 24-hour days, according to Genesis chapter 1, to create the heaven, the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. God saw everything that he made. This is Genesis 1.31. Everything that he made. That would include the angels. That would include the first humans. That would include everything. And indeed, it was very good. So there was no sin. There was no corruption when God first created all things. The beginning of time as we know it. But getting back to the question, why do children suffer? Well, it's not because God causes it. I don't believe that, and I don't think most people who profess to believe that the Bible is the Word of God believe that either, because He only does what is right, Genesis eighteen twenty five, and He's holy, First Peter 1, uh, 15 and 16. Why do children suffer? Well, it's not because God desires it. God does not desire people to be abused, manipulated, killed, etc., you can look throughout the whole entire Old Testament. The concept is true of in the New. God abhorred murder. He, abho he abhorred rape, abuse, and manipulation, and lying, and trickery, etc. God always looked down on and condemned those who would hurt the innocent, the orphans, the widows, those unable to provide for themselves, etc. So children suffer not because God desires it, and not because he causes it. The only thing that a person could say is that God allows it. But that does not necessitate the conclusion that he is unable to stop it in regard to his power. It's not a question of power. If he spoke the universe into existence from nothing, then he has the power to stop something that's going on within that universe that in which he spoke that to stop something in that universe that he created and that he spoke into existence. And, again, the only thing we could say is that he allows children to suffer. Again, but that doesn't necessitate the conclusion that he's unconcerned or that he doesn't care. It just, just does not necessitate that because Scripture teaches otherwise. He does care. Cast your anxieties on him for he cares for you. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We can't say that God doesn't care just because people suffer. There are people suffering on the earth today, and just because I'm not able to stop it, or just because I'm not directly involved in stopping it immediately doesn't mean that I don't care. Someone might say, well, that's not a good parallel because God supposedly has all power. All power. Well, I get that, and you don't. I, I get that. But just because it exists doesn't mean that he's not concerned or that he doesn't love. But this this is, in my thought process, led me to another thought that I wanted to share. Was God a, was God morally justified in creating a world in which evil can and does exist and occur? Was it a morally justified reason, a morally justified decision for God to create a world in which evil can and does exist and occur 
I put forth to you, when we acknowledge what Scripture says, that God knows everything about everything. Psalm 139 and other places. He knew that man would fall. He knew about the suffering that would happen. He knew innocent children would suffer as well. But he was still morally justified in creating the world because he created the planet to be the ideal environment for soul-making. He specifically created human beings to be immortal, free moral agents, responsible for their own actions, with this earthly life being our one and only probationary period. And during this probationary period, he has made it the time where our eternal fate is determined by our own response to God's will, again, while here on earth. And the physical environment was made with the necessary things, the necessary characteristics for achieving that purpose. Free moral agency, basic physical needs being met, the reality of being challenged. He created and allowed these things to enable human beings to learn the things that they most need to learn. And that life on earth is uncertain and temporary. And such should show that life on earth is brief. And that reality helps to move someone to consider the spiritual and using life to prepare for the afterlife. Uh, that's a lot. But I believe that. Suffering, pain, and hardship, these are things that encourage people to grow in moral character. To develop the things that we need the most, compassion, sympathy, love, empathy, etc. So, was God morally justified in creating a world in which evil can and does occur? Yeah. Yeah, he was. He knew it all along that it would happen because he created it. He created the planet to be the ideal environment for soul making. And God, knowing all things, did it the way he did it. And I can question, I can wonder, I can write it down, I can think about it, I can ask questions of others. But it doesn't change what the Bible records that God knows all things. That he loves the whole world, John 3.16. Yeah, it's a will to do good toward all, but yet he does not stop suffering. So why does God not just stop suffering? Stop the suffering in the world. Why doesn't he just stop the reality that children are currently suffering in the world? 
I live not very far from St. Jude's Hospital. And also um, Le Bonner Hospital, both of these facilities in Memphis. Why doesn't God just make it where those children aren't suffering? Well, I think one reason is free will. If God stopped one instance, he would have to stop it all. But he's not a respecter of persons. If God intervened, I'm thinking that he would have to violate mankind's free will. And again, my thought is, one day God will stop it. He'll stop it all. One day. Somebody says, I don't know. I don't like that. Well, let me share this with you. If we're going to think about things logically and we're going to believe that the Bible is the inerrant Word of God, if we're going to believe that the universe and all of its inhabitants came into existence by an all-intelligent designer and all of the evidence points to God, His power, His creation, and His Word. We have to reason from the known to the unknown. We can't reason from the unknown to the known. If we do that, we will come out with the wrong conclusions. But if we reason from the known to the unknown, we're in a better place. So let's go back to what I started with. You see, unbelief and atheism are not in a position to give us a satisfactory answer as to why children suffer and why God allows it, I should say. Because whether or not God exists, children are suffering in the world. But the true answer to this is God and the gospel, that God has given mankind free will, and children are suffering at the hands of others. Most of the suffering that goes on in the world is from the hands of other human beings. And all the precious children who have diseases, who are in hospitals, and it's not because of the sins of others directly, it's because of the sins of mankind, including Adam and Eve, indirectly. Because I do not believe God created an environment with sin. Instead, he created an environment for soul-making, and that necessitated good and evil. It necessitated free will. It necessitated allowing Satan to corrupt his creation. And he knew that. God knew that. And the judge of the earth will do what is right, Genesis 18, 25. Say it was right for him to create an environment, a world, wherein he knew before he created it that children would suffer. Why? Because it's good for children to suffer? And I wouldn't say that, but because he created the planet to be the ideal environment for soul-making. And it necessitated creating human beings to be immortal, free moral agents, responsible for their own actions. 
with this life here and now being the only period in which eternal fates would be determined by their own response to God's will. The physical environment was made with the necessary characteristics for accomplishing this goal. To bring someone from a safe condition through sin to deliverance and salvation. Now, none of the things I just said may convince someone whose mind is made up that no matter what I hear, no matter what someone says, the Bible says, no matter what verse says what, I'm not happy with the suffering that goes on on this earth. Therefore, I don't believe in God. Let me tell you something. I'm not happy with the suffering that's going on in the world too. And only a sad and pathetic, sadistic person would say that they are happy with the fact that children are suffering. I for not a millisecond think that God is happy with the fact that the children or anyone is suffering on earth. That was not his will. But from God's perspective, the work that Jesus has done remedied our ultimate sickness. And again, going back to the fact that God did not make the earth for us to be our forever home, knowing that mankind would sin, he created an environment where souls could be prepared for eternity. Now here's two other thoughts that I have that I want to share. When we think about the atrocities that happen to children, recognizing that they occur at the hands, most often than not, by adults. All the children sex trafficking. Oh, my. Overwhelmingly sad. There are some things that we need to keep in mind. I, I want to say three things. Number one, we can do our part to help minimize this by scattering the seed of God's Word on a daily basis. You see, the perfect answer for this is not merely some rule from the government because you can't make people do what's right. But the preaching of the gospel can take the hardest of hearts and melt it and mold it into the image of God's dear son. You look at Saul of Tarsus, who is persecuting the church and killing the church, and yet, through Christ and the gospel, his heart was melted and changed forever, and he became the persecuted preacher. So, if we want to do our part in helping to remedy this problem, we're not going to just sit around and say, well, I don't understand why God allows it. We may not understand exactly except that he allows free will to take place and that he created the earth as the perfect environment for soul making and for the time of preparation for the eternal state. What we need to do is do our part to help minimize these troubles and these atrocities, these evils that happen against innocent children. We can do that by preaching the gospel and teaching the gospel every day of our lives. We can do that by doing our best to pray 
for godly leaders and rulers locally and nationally. We can vote against those individuals who say, I'm going to give you abortion rights. We can vote against those who say, I'm going, al- I'm going to allow children to be hurt and harmed mentally and physically through drag queen shows, through the mutilation of sex organs, through the changing, the attempted change of someone's gender. I tell you, folks, that is sadistic. And we need to be very concerned why there are adults who want to perform nude and doing other explicit things in front of children. They're preying on children. God doesn't do that. Yes, it is true that God allows people to suffer, including his own, including children. But God does not approve of it. And here's the last two things I want us to consider. We need to trust that God will recompense the evil. I'm not saying we shouldn't have any temporary punishments here on earth. Civil government has a job to do, and I'm not saying that it doesn't. But as a child of God, we should rest assured that even if those who manipulate, who abuse, who hurt, who harm, and who kill innocent children, that they one day will give an account they will give account for all the wicked atrocities they've done and they will receive in the recompense of their due reward beloved paul wrote do not avenge yourselves but rather give place to wrath for it is written vengeance is mine i will repay says the lord you see god is in charge And not only that, but he will bring vengeance. That reminds me of another passage that I'd like to read for our minds. To trust that God will recompense evil. What about all the evil that's happened? And all the evil that's happened against God's people. Those who are striving to do what's right. 2 Thessalonians 1 verse 3. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly and the love of every one of you all abounds toward each other, so that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith and all your, listen, persecutions and tribulations that you endure which is manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer, since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you, and to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not obey God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, these shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. And folks, listeners, I'm here to remind us and to tell us if we don't already know that this punishment which is everlasting from the present and being away from the presence of the Lord forever and ever, that punishment will be for those who do not know God and those who do not obey the gospel. And that would include those who practice a life of abusing, manipulating, hurting, and killing children. These individuals will be punished in flaming fire with everlasting destruction They'll be put away from the presence of the Lord and the glory of His power. 
Ooh, vengeance is mine, Jesus said through Paul. I will repay. And we could read the passages wherein it's recorded that Jesus said those who cause others to stumble and sin and those who sin against individuals, those who live a life of sin, they're going to be cast into hell, into the fire that shall never be quenched. Mark 9, 42 through 48. We need to keep this in mind. It may seem that they're getting away scot-free right now and they're laughing under their breath or they're hiding behind their keyboards and they're hurting homes and children. But God will recompense the evil with a greater payback than we could ever give them here. You see, physical death would be a blessing to someone who is in the tortures and confines of eternal hell away from all that is good and holy. And folks, if you're struggling with your faith in the God of the Bible, the God of the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, because He allows suffering, beware that unbelief does not have an answer because it can't define what is moral. But if you think that it's immoral for children to suffer and it's bad and it's wrong for people to mistreat, to hurt, to harm, to manipulate, to murder children, then keep in mind, again, if you think that's wrong, that coincides with the fact that there is a God and that your conscience is tender toward this reality. And His Word teaches that children are precious in the sight of God. And Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and don't forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. Mark 10, 14. But finally, one last thought here. Not only do we need to trust God that He's going to recompense, but trust God that He's going to bless and reward the godly and the innocent. Back to the text that I mentioned, 2 Thessalonians 1, which was written to the church at Thessalonica that had been persecuted so. Paul writes, Jesus will come back and he will repay with tribulation those who trouble you. And he will give those of you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed. So when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels and flaming sword, to recompense evil on these that have done evil and those that have harmed those that are young and children and innocent ones. Trust that God will bless and reward not only the godly, but also the innocent. The godly are those that are in Christ, those that have obeyed the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, but also the innocent, those precious children. I have two precious children I have one who's seven and a half, one who this week is five months old. And to even think for a moment of someone hurting them and them suffering, it's a sad, sad, sad thought indeed. And my heart would be turned and cut and broken if someone mistreated my own children and it so hurt them. But it is my prayer that no matter what evil happens in the world now, I know it's temporary. I know God didn't cause it. I know He doesn't desire it. 
If I don't desire it, what about the God in heaven who created all things, who's sinlessly and perfectly holy and good? Someone says, though, but why do children suffer? Because of sin, because of bad choices. Children suffer at the hands of wicked adults every day in this country and throughout the world. Does that mean God doesn't exist? No, folks. It means God allows people to make choices even when they're bad. God allowed His Son to suffer so, even though it was sin, because ultimately it was His will that He die to redeem mankind, to pay for our souls with the blood of His Son, to reconcile us, to bring us back to our Creator, now as our Father in heaven that we love and that we adore. Why do children suffer? Because of sin. Why do some get sick? Same reason adults get sick. We live in a fallen world. We live in a world with diseases. Why does God allow it? Because of free will. Why does he not stop it now? Is he not all-powerful? Yeah, he's all-powerful. Is it because he doesn't care, he doesn't love? Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Jesus wept over the sins of the city of Jerusalem, and that certainly depicts to us our God and Father in heaven who weeps over sin, who provided the greatest sacrifice for sin through his son because it hurt him so. But why does he allow it? Why doesn't he just stop it? He's going to stop it. He's going to. He's working on his divine, all-knowing, eternal plan. He will stop it one day. And he will punish those who have mistreated children. And he will punish them in a way that they could not possibly be punished here on this earth. They will receive exactly what they deserve from the fair and righteous, all-knowing, all-powerful God of heaven and earth not from a police force, not from a handgun, not from a hundred years in prison, not from the electric chair, but from the God of heaven who says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. I want you to think about this with me, and I think about this often because this subject, this subject concerns me. It concerns me because I hate seeing children and anyone suffer. But the fact is, God was and is just and moral for creating a world in which evil can and does exist. Why? Why are you saying that, that he's morally justified in that? Because he created this earth to be the environment for soul-making, and not just the environment, but the ideal environment for soul-making. He specifically created us to be immortal, free moral agents, responsible for our own action. And so in this earthly life, being our only life here and the only probationary period in which eternal destinations are determined by our own response, we then consider the fact that the physical environment was made with the necessary characteristics for achieving this kind of purpose, to prepare people for eternity. And I believe that only God is able to answer and to know all the facts involved. It's easy for me and my care and my emotions and in my limited knowledge and wisdom and perspective 
to say, I don't think it's right. I don't think it's fair for God to allow this. God says, in effect, with his word, it is fair. It is the way that it must be for now. And again, someone might say, but why does he just stop it? It's so bad. Dear listener, he will stop it one day. He's going to do it on his divine timetable. And in the meantime, he's not wishing that anyone should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 2 Peter 3, 9. Isn't that powerful? Why is that? Because God loves the world in such a way that he gave his only begotten son. You mean even those that hurt children? Yeah. You mean he approves? He looks on that behavior with favor? Absolutely not. How could we even? No, we can't even. We can't even for a moment actually consider that being the case. As feeble and as weak and sinful as we are from time to time, how much more will our Father in heaven? Now I'd like to consider one more verse, and I think I've already said that once. In Matthew 7, Jesus said, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who if a son asks for bread will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish will he give him a serpent? If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Now if it's the case... That God is a good father in heaven. He can give good gifts and better gifts than those that are sinful fathers and mothers on earth can. The same concept is true of God and the civil government or even our own personal attempt at vengeance. Again, back to Romans 12, 19. Vengeance is mine. I will repay. Don't avenge yourselves. Give place to wrath. God will do that. God will hold them accountable. That's a powerful concept we must think and that we must think about and take in. He's going to recompense the evil and he's going to bless and reward the godly and the innocent. What a wonderful thought it is to think about all those children who have been hurt and abused. God's not going to merely give them a life on earth where they will have to die again or possibly suffer again. He's going to give them the place where all that are innocent go, that heavenly home in the presence of God himself where there will be no more of these wicked things because God himself is there and there will be no presence of Satan and his angels. Folks, why doesn't God stop it? He will. He's going to do it according to his own all-knowing, all-wise, inscrutable counsels. He's going to do it. He's going to take care of it. I have questions. There's things I wonder about. There's things that you're wondering about that perhaps I didn't give an answer to or I didn't, I didn't talk about sufficiently to your satisfaction. I know I can't do that in one podcast, even if it's 48 minutes long. But I hope some of the things I have said has given you more to think on about our holy God in heaven who loves us so much that he gave his son for us. And if you're listening to this and you're not a child of God, you've not been born again, Jesus is tenderly calling you home. 
He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. I am meek and lowly and gentle in heart. You will find rest for your souls. Come believing that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died to set you free from sin, and that he was buried and he was raised on the third day, and that through faith in him and repentance of sin, Acts 17.30, you can be buried in the waters of baptism to contact the death of Jesus, to be born again, to rise, to walk a new life, Romans 6, 3, and 4. Wherever you may be, if I can be of assistance to you, reach out, message me. Thank you so much for listening to the Aaron J. Dodson podcast. And this one on why do children suffer? I don't have all the answers, but I serve the God who does and who's given me what I need so that I can live this life and serve him and bring him honor and glory. And in the meantime, may we preach and teach the gospel that will help to minimize these atrocities, that will help to hold mankind accountable, and will create the best earth environment possible through obedience to the gospel. Let's don't forget that. Thanks for listening. God bless, and we'll catch you next time.